Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, friends. you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Look, a little later than we'd love to be able to deliver these episodes to you, but we appreciate you sticking patient with us. So we've got you this episode ahead. Gosh, who would have thought what round 20 we are at of your fantasy footy season? Just a month to go left in you. You will talk about what that means for you right throughout this episode. Joining me on the podcast, I've got Jordox, mate. Hello, buddy. How are you? Good, MJ. Good to be here and really excited for the next few weeks ahead. Well, we've got four weeks left to go, which means for the vast majority of league-focused coaches, your elimination and qualifying finals kick off this week for those that are playing the more rankings focused whether they're a genuine chance of picking up a prize of some form or just continuing to strive for a pb it's these final few weeks of the year that all of the preparation and a little bit of luck actually helps you get to the end so look there's a lot to get through want to chat through some big name players that delivered for us last week, <laughs> Lockie Whitfield. Uh, there were some <laughs> unique guys that absolutely fired for coaches, <laughs> Harry Schonberg. Uh, but oh yeah, wait for that mention. Yes, I thought you'd. I thought I'd get it. I'd get it out of the way early the so we don't hear it again. Oh yeah. my goodness, exactly right. But look, we'll get to all those, but. Our Patreons were loyal, great supporters of the Coaches Panel. If you want to join that as a supporter group, all the details are at coachespanel.tv. I'm a moments away from hitting publish on my top 10 keeper ranks from those that were drafted in the 2020 draft pool. I'm about to drop that inside the next 48 hours. It's a Patreon exclusive. So if you love your keeper leagues, that is just some of the kind of content you can expect to get for yourself while you're there. But the reason I bring up the Patreons is normally Jordox, we leave their podcast questions right to the very, very, very end. But I thought on today's episode, you know what? Stuff it. Let's just go all the way, put everything on its head, go full Ross Lyon coaching style. Actually, it's really Luke Beveridge, isn't it? Everything on its head. And let's start <laughs> with our Patreon questions before anything else. Let's go straight to Peter Moore's question, which is a fascinating question. He says, should we be worried about Taranto's role that happened on the weekend? Uh, it pretty much had one center bounce. I think it was across the entirety of the game, spent in almost the entire game forward for GWS can he be used in a creative way as a trade out with a Pendles injury I'm going to presume this might be wrong but dangerous that he's an AFL fantasy player given Pendles popularity there in contrast to other formats as he's a forward so let's break it down to the focuses Taranto was that aberration or a new normal what's your take Jordox well without um having watched the game or, or, or looked into it myself, I just sort of wrote, you know, go off the stats and, and, and what, you know, you see and hear during the week. Um, and I've, I've come up stumps, MJ. I can't work out why they would pull him out of the guts. Um, I know that Lockie Ash was given a tagging role on, I think it was Parrish. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's, you know, that's one body to go in there. But I don't understand why Taranto would be pulled out and put forward, um, you know... I thought with Cornelio coming back, potentially, 
um, this week that that would sort of offset that and they could play Cogs up forward mm -hmm. while he gets a bit of fitness leading into finals if they make it. But now he's not going to play and probably not going to play for the rest of the year. Callan Ward was an interesting one. He was out, um, was brought in as a late in. Yeah. I do, I think he may have just been rested, but he wasn't rested and now he's playing this week. Um, and I don't like to read too much into the, the lineups as they're yeah. released, but Taranto's sitting in a forward pocket. Look, I've, I've got a theory, but there's nothing quantifiable behind it. Now, we do know Taranto has historically played some time when he was more building his tank than anything else early in his career as a half forward. Um, where is he at his strong point? Without doubt. First touch, clearance player, ball winner. That's where he's at his best. But here's my theory behind it. Nothing much more behind it other than just some MJ secret herbs and spices. But this is my theory anyway. <laughs> What's one of Giants, the GWS Giants, it's not weapons, um, but things that can be weaponized against them exposing them for a lack of speed through the midfield. That's a very one-dimensional midfield, very strong at the contest, but Green, Hopper, Ward, um, Taranto, Canelo, none of them have explosive pace. Kelly's silky, but not speedy. Whitfield, he's not a centre-bounce player. They love that caressing football that he brings on the outside. What is one of the great weapons of that Essendon midfield? It's that burst from speed. That's, that's what shield. How many times have we seen that at GWS and Essendon? Just that breakaway from stoppage. How many times have we seen Parrish do that? Even Merritt. He's not super fast, but he's definitely quicker mm. than some of those GWS boys. So, so my theory behind it was, is look, we reckon with the Greens, the Wards, um, these boys, Hoppers, we reckon we can match them at the contest. And then the Ash and Daniels, who do offer something in that first kind of five to 10 meters when it comes to separation and speed, we're going to try to match them with these two guys. So my theory is it's more matchup based to defeat them and go, oh, look, Taranto can give us what Daniels does in the forward half, no doubt, but we reckon we might be able to just get a little bit of an advantage at stoppage. Look, that's a theory at the moment. No, I like um, it. But I that's like my it, theory behind it. I like it. And I like it because they play Port this week um, who have Boak, Drew, Wines. You know, they're not a particularly pacey midfield either. So yeah. with Toby Green coming back as well. Yeah, I think that I helps would, too. I'll, and just, you know, common sense. Taranto's not a forward. He's a gun midfielder. I think he goes back in there. Um, I think it's an aberration. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm of the leaning of that. Now, however, for Peter's question, if, it's, if you've actually been scared off by it, and that the trade of Taranto and Pendlebury gets you the forward you want, and you can find a value midfielder that's scoring well enough that's going to be within five points on average, like a Guthrie, for example, who's a low ownership. If you think there's not much gap between now and the end of the year between Guthrie and Taranto, again, this is purely for an AFL fantasy style trade because I couldn't get behind it in the other formats to do that kind of double trade. But Taranto 793, Guthrie 754. I know it's only 40K, but if that 40K gets you where you want to go or it's a Fiorini or it's a Brayshaw or whoever it is, then I'm maybe kind of even okay a, Maybe even... So I reckon if you're going to do it, it's going to be... Close to 100k, I reckon, yeah. to make it to make it worth, worth ditching. 
Yeah, and and you you know you've got guys down there. Um, Gaffer's had back to back tons. Do we, do we dare mention him again? <laughs> <laughs> get them get nervous when you say it. So, yes, that's the so right. So every yeah, there could there could be a scenario where yes, you would you would drop a turn. I I just think there's got to be other weaknesses in your side that you could. Um, yeah, no, move on pendrels. With a guy that's got proven potential of multiple one thirty plus scores across the season. That, that's very luxury trade. That That's the kind of trade that in AFL fantasy where you undo yourself just because you've got the trade, you use the trade um, and, you, and, you mm. out, and you outsmart yourself. So yeah, for me, Peter, probably not. Um, but I, I like what you're thinking. All right, Dale's got a question for us, Jordux. He needs some advice uh, and it's for coaches that are without trades. <laughs> it's a yeah, limited pool the, of options. What's your and initial take to I, I don't think we can offer a trade advice. For no, clearly not. Trade, but we could advise, you know, offer some advice. And that's, um, and Dale, I don't know, you know, he might just be having a laugh with the question. But if, if you're out of trades and you're saying, how do I attack these final few weeks? You know, embrace the rolling lockout. Embrace yeah. the, the loopholes. Um, 100%. Really map your week out. Uh, don't do it on a Monday because the fixture... Um, we'll do backflips and flips here and there. We already saw Friday night get flipped, you know, Tuesday this week, I think that was. Um, but yeah, as you approach the weekend and the fixtures locked in and the teams dropped like they did tonight, have a look and see who you can loop, which kids that are on your bench that have been putting out decent scores, when do they play? Um, but yeah, double check, triple check that you've got a non-playing guy to make it happen. So, uh, and other than that, Dale, just know your captains, mate. That that would be it for the run home. Because if you've got no trades, it's not much you can do. I think it's a really, really helpful point too, isn't it? That it's making sure you look at all of those avenues. So where can you get creative? Where can you make a difference? What can you do? Um, traditional meetings, you might go, look, I've got McRae playing Saturday. So I'm going to vice captain him. Well, well, why not look the night before? Do you have a Sam Walsh? Could you go there and do something a little unique? Play the loophole game, both with the captaincies and those options on field. I think, Dale, that's all you got. And get creative. Um, Maybe you wouldn't normally look at, say, a a Rory Laird, but he's barely gone under 110 for most of the season, at least over the past two months. So looking at that, maybe you go, oh, you know what? Uh, I think Geelong are going to destroy North or at least have the ball a lot inside their defensive 50, you know, I'll put it on Aaron Hall and that's a risky move. Well, then you've got the safety net of your Mitchells or, or something like that at the back end. So that would definitely be the a, a way I'd look to make a move through there. All right, Adam's got an AFL fantasy question. He's 50-50 options for us, Jordox. Pendlebury out, Green or Marshall? Who's your take? I think it's a pretty quick um, answer. I, I think Marshall... For, for a number of reasons. He's slightly cheaper. Green's coming back from, you know, what, what are we calling it? The, the isolation? Uh, uh, yes, the, isolation chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, <clears throat> now, I do know that the Giants boys that were in isolation got a place and they were able to train and, and they had, you know, so they're going to be fine. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a reason, you know, even a Briggs didn't come in. Where okay. I think few of us were surprised to help Mumford, I think just that week of not training, Toby Green, you know, they were never stopping him from playing. So the point I'm making is he could be a touch rusty this week. 
Um, and then you flip on to Marshall before, you know, another isolation guy, actually, um, before, you know, he, he, he smashed that 122 against Port. And there's talk of Ryder maybe pulling up lame and possibly not playing this week as well, which would make Marshall the number one ruck. So I'd be quite confidently suggesting Marshall. And then um, Stevens added to the question, same question for me, but add Isaac Smith to the mix. So I wouldn't go with Isaac Smith. Yeah. Um, he's about 40, 50K more. But yeah. I'm glad you mentioned him, uh, Stephen, because he has not got any any kudos on, on any, um, you know, thing you read or listen to about fantasy footy this year. He's put in an incredibly consistent year. Lacks the ceiling that you'd yes. be looking for this time of year. Um, but he's been... Yeah, he's been great. If you if you had him in draft, or even if you started with him in in, in a, um, a salary cap format, you, yeah, you'd be pretty happy with him. Yeah, he hasn't gone under seventy four all year, um, and in the mm. in a line where we've had the ups and downs of Zorko's, Dusty's, the injuries, gosh, the injuries, mm. all the way through there to have a guy that's been able to deliver us. This is for AFL fantasy. Um, nothing under 75 and four tons across the year. And, and really he's a 90 guy with a handful of points either side. He's been brilliant if you've owned him for the year, but if you need him as a place of separation in your side, he's just not the guy. He, he's going to give you 90. If you're sick of a guy that could give you a 130 or could give you a 60, I get the Isaac Smith love. But for me, the thing you're looking for at this point in time of the season is supreme value or supreme ceiling. Smith is neither. Um, so for me, I, I couldn't get behind it, but I like what you're seeing there, mate. So I'm, I'm down for that, Adam. All right, mate, big Mal in Tassie wants to know, he's a super coach player. Yep, I'll get that right eventually, Mal. Uh, he's got a Pendlebury type issue. He's looking at guys like McCluggage or Guthrie, or does he use a little bit of his dual position abilities, moving a lead and grabbing a Lloyd? So really, let's put it down to the three. McCluggage, Guthrie, Lloyd. Rank them in an order for me and super coach. Do you have a rank there, mate, or are you not certain who you'd take? Um, I reckon with these things, um, when you grab a – when you make a move and, and it swings a lead into the midfield, I'm pretty big on what's your plan to then get led back. So I'd be interested to see, you know, to know, do you have a plan to trade a defender out to a mid later on? So I reckon let's just keep it simple and let's look at McLuggage or Guthrie. Um, McLuggage has that, you know, the lines have, it's been well documented, they've got a good run home. Yeah. Um, it's not really, I don't know, he's, he's sort of, um, he's in a bit of a dip this year, McLuggage. He hasn't really gone on with it the way I thought he would. Um, no, he's not having a bad year by any stretch, and he's still young. But um, I, I like Guthrie. I like yeah. Guthrie at the Cats. I like what the Cats are bringing, what they're doing. They are they're ready to start their charge now. They've been, you know, they've had an interesting year. They've they've won a lot of games without playing really well, and yeah. and I and you know to get that ladder position. And now you know we saw on the weekend they put the Tigers to the sword. And the Cats are going to come home strong, and Guthrie, he's. Um, when the cats are up and about, Guthrie's up and about. So yeah. I reckon have a go at Guthrie. Um, if you've got a solid plan to get Laird back to your back line, um, maybe look at Lloyd. But no, nah, I, I reckon of the three, Guthrie. 
Guthrie's the one for me, Big Mal. Absolutely. He's got the better ceiling um, as far as I'm concerned. This year's got the the greater, um, the less likelihood of a poor score out of, certainly out of him or McCluggage. Lloyd's been solid for owners, but I also don't think owners that have gone against him this year um, have felt the burn that they might have over the past two years. So go for that guy with that great unique and the great ceiling. Guthrie for me, mate. I hope that goes your way. All right. Big Ian McRae wants to know, could you do a one player on each line that should have a great matchup this week? E.g. Sydney play Bombers this week who leak points. So Mills kills it. Uh, certainly a fair enough call. All right. I'll have a, I'll have a, I'll have a crack for you, uh, Ian, about guys that should, should have an absolute monster for you across the line. In the forward line, I'm going to Josh Dunkley against the Crows. Midfielders against Adelaide, especially first touch clearance ball winners, have a field day on that midfield, especially um, if Rory Sloan isn't in there as much, which we have seen him patchy in and through there. So for me, if there's a forward that's going big, I know it's not unique, but he's the one that's going to have an absolute monster, in my opinion. Just watch out for Harry Schoenberg as well. So just watch out. He'll go, he will try to run with someone <laughs> other than Josh Tunkle. Um, no, no, just just kidding. Oh, I think right. um, for the midfield as well, um, the same game is uh, Bontempelli. Yeah. Last year, absolutely um, smashed the Crows as well. Um, but the Crows are playing a lot better than they were this time, well, in that game last year. So... Um. Yeah. Who else did you have there, MJ? All right, I got I got a couple more that I think are going to have have some pretty nice, um, and decent games in the back line. I, I think you're right. I think Mills again playing in the midfield against Essendon. I think he's kind of the guy that's going to have a really nice game rolling through there. So I'm happy to back that in. Um, if, if we want to pick the ruck line, it's not as easy as you think this week, um, to roll through there. But the one I like. I actually like Brody Grundy of all of them. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is because Nick Nat will dominate him at stoppage, but Grundy will damage him around the ground. So I think Grundy's the one I like more. I know you immediately look at that Richmond matchup and you think Darcy against the Tigers. But for me, Sean Darcy would put fear in me every single week as an owner because he just finds a way to get injured and then somehow finds a way to go to 90 plus. He's been absolutely Mm. phenomenal through there. So uh, look, for me, there's there's nothing really there. And then, you know, you've said Bont through the midfield. Um, I I actually like Jack Steele. Um, I just don't see Carlton that have anyone that can hurt him. I know he got tagged last weekend, but he still got to his what one ten with tackles. So, so for mm. me, like he he's just a guy that that doesn't have a bad one. It, it, there's nothing unique or crazy in there for you, Ian, in terms of names. Um, Tuke Miller against Melbourne should just absolutely enjoy life again with that offensive and defensive stuff. Melbourne are more than happy to to let a player have forty touches against them if they can minimize where it is. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, before you go before today, before the teams came out, I think we all would have said Max Gorn, but um, yeah. Zach Smith's come in for the Suns. Not that he's gonna. No, it's not <laughs> um, too scary. Big Maxi sweating too much, but just in terms of looking for that 
that lineup. Yeah, there, there, there's nothing too crazy for you there. All right, Matt has a keeper league question to wrap it up before there's some other stuff we want to get to. He says, uh, keeper league question, lads, out of Lockie Ash, Lockie Shoal, and Lockie, no, Will Day, which two would you be keeping, Ash, Shoal, or Day? I got my two, but I want to hear your two, Jordox. Well, you know, my, my, my crow's hat would, would jump to, to Shoal, but I think of the two Lockies, I think it's got to be Ash. I think yep. when I saw, I saw a couple of games from him, yeah, this year, earlier this year, and, and I know he had big dream team scores, but it was more just watching him. And it was, he looked like, a, like you just got this picture of in five, three to four years, like uh, Lockie Whitfield, but better, you know, like he's going to be something. And now he's added a bit of midfield minutes to his bow with that tagging role. I don't think that's his his future, but you know, he's adding to his skill set. Um, Lockie Scholl's going to be an incredible player. I think uh, I think he's a real not flair. He's a real pacey guy. I think he's going to work on his defensive side, and that's probably why we're seeing him not in the Crows twenty two. And I've got to be honest, I, I don't I don't know a lot about Will Day other than he's one of many Hawthorne names that um, seemingly play a similar role, but they have so many of them. I mean, um, you know, it's CJ and Scrimshaw and um, uh, even Lockie Bramble. <laughs> they just got, he's, he's looking good too. So uh, I would go with uh, the two Lockies, but MJ, t- tell us a bit more about Will Day. Yeah, Will Day, I'm a massive fan of him. Uh, if you remember some of his footy last year before injury and he got his opportunities and then injuries have certainly squashed his year, but he brings something um, that is that perfect combination of Scrimshaw, the former virtual, of what Sicily does and of what Bramble is. He, he's a better version of most of them with probably the exception of Sicily. Mm. Um, he's elite speed, reads the ball well in flight, Um Hard player to match up against in terms of defensively. Um, and he just does a whole bunch of other different things and, and is an elite user of the ball by foot. So for me, um, day's number one, um, all day, every day. Um, and then for me, Ash is number two, just purely because um, I think he's going to have, he's going to retain defensive positional status, whereas Shoal will be a centre only in a, in a keeper league next year. He, he's been playing off the wing. Both those other boys will be defensive liners. A 60-odd, you, you'll be able to redraft Shoal. No problem at all. Um, Day will be really difficult to redraft, and Ash you'd have to redraft probably with your first pick or two. Um, so for me, that would be the way I'd do his um, Day, Ash, but I don't think you can go wrong with Shoal either because I do think he's going to be a really exceptional player once some of these kinks in his game kind of get sorted out. All right. Um, those are your Patreon questions that we wanted to get them right out of the way early for you. Not out of the way, but put them front and centre because let's be honest, Jordox, at this point in time of the year, if you're playing a limited trade format of the game, if finals aren't your, are your focus and you're out of them, you don't care. If the rankings mm. are your focus, unless you're in the top couple of dozen, your season's over in terms of a chance of winning outside of achieving a personal best through there. So there's not a whole heap that's coming through for some coaches outside of little nuanced moments, players popping up here or there. 
and, and there's probably two guys really worth talking about. One is Josh Dunkley's not getting the love that I thought he should be getting. And the reason being, he's coming out of ISO. Um, he was okay for his first half back from that shoulder injury, but he does have a pretty friendly matchup against a, a pretty young Adelaide Crows midfield. Once you take Laird out, who really is only a 20 game midfielder, Sloan out, who's slowing down, it seems, as, as the games go by. Part of that's injury-related, in my opinion, but still is slowing down. Keys, who I think has only got 50 games of footy under his belt, and half of them have been as a half-forward flank for Brisbane. So it's a relatively inexperienced Crows midfield. So I, I just see Dunkley having a field day over these next couple of weeks. You've got to pay up for him, and I think that's where people are, are finding pain points to get there. But where, where do you see Josh Dunkley? What Across the formats, what do you think he could deliver coaches over the next four weeks? If you want to look at what that dog's run looks like, just to give coaches a little bit of time, it's Adelaide this week. Um, the following week, it's Essendon. Um, then for the final two weeks, it's Hawthorne. And then they wrap up against Port Adelaide. So not an easy grand final matchup, but the first three before it, I really like. Yeah, he's the sort of player who's, you know, who he plays, you know, doesn't doesn't matter too much. He's a gun. He just finds the footy. Yeah, he's a really interesting one, MJ, because he he's sort of one that I think we've all been thinking if he gets back before finals, you know, we're all going to shift shift our sides around to get him in. And he came in and and he had that unfortunate for for us um, mm. circumstance where when he got injured, he it was on a good score and he was <laughs> top dollar. So it was always going to be the perfect scenario, let him play a few games, plummet in price, get his fitness up. We can have a good look at him before we jump. And as it turns out, you know, he came in, like you said, he was on, I reckon 50 at halftime of that return game. Mm. Um, and then obviously slowed down slightly, but delivered an 80. Have a look Monday at the break, even across the formats. This is beautiful. Another week or two, and he will be right for the picking. And then, Poor fellow got coffee at the wrong place and uh, had to miss a week. So that break even is still quite high across the board. And I think also there's enough there for me to just want to wait and see. And and the reason is obviously the week in isolation, not training properly. But let's not forget before that week off, he had 10 weeks off, 12, whatever it was, um, substantial time out of the game you know if the doggies can shore up a top two spot in the next week or two I'm not suggesting they would drop him because he needs to be match fit I can see some in-game management coming for him and we know Bevo likes to spin those magnets and play random people in the guts I think he does that to keep the opposition guessing if I'm honest but anyway I can just see a world where Dunkley does just ease into the next few weeks and then he's cherry ripe for their finals campaign. So it's not, don't go for him. I just, oh, I couldn't do it at that price this week with the high break even. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair. I think the most important thing is if you're going for him, it's because you think he, over the next four weeks, is going to be the highest scoring forward over the next four weeks and, and by a margin. <laughs> Um, if if you don't have that confidence, then of course you can't spend up big cash when you're going to have arguably comparably 
comparable scores from a cheaper option. Whether that be you, you think, okay, Pendle's out. Well, that has to mean side bottom takes greater midfield responsibility. It has to. If that's the case, if you think their scoring's comparable, well, of course you go for the cheaper guy off the back of that. The only reason is, is you're in a luxurious financial position and you genuinely believe no one is going to score as well as him over the next four weeks. Other than that, I agree. You might need to want to look elsewhere. So it's Dunkley. Go, though. Did you have something you wanted to say before I moved on to my next point, Jordan? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, mate. No, no, no. That was it. All right. Go on to the next one. All right. Let's go to the opposite end of the ground in terms of positional status. Lockie Whitfield missed a week and then came out last week. And for those that held him, all the pain he caused them the week, whether it be a donut or a cash cow score, were all long gone after he delivered that beautiful score last week for his owners. Those that either traded or have avoided up until this point have seen what Whitfield did last week and have realized what they've known for the vast majority of the year, that is, Whitfield has probably the best ceiling of all our available defenders in 2021. So the question is the same. How important is trading into Lockie Whitfield for coaches, whether it be leagues or rankings push? How much of a priority is Lockie Whitfield for owners this week? Yeah, I don't think priority is the word for him. I think um, bargain is the word. I mean, he's 7'10 in fantasy. That is, I hadn't realised that. That is incredibly cheap. I don't think Whitfield's the Whitfield of a couple of years ago, though. I mean, you look at his scores this year, there's, there's plenty of good ones in there, but that 132 on the weekend was absolutely uh, delightful for those that held him. Um, but it was his highest score for the year. And I don't know, round 19 to say 132 is Whitfield's highest score of the year. It feels a little bit unusual, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, the ceiling but, of previous ones. No, but let's be fair. He, he had a very odd um, setback at the start of the year. He missed the first six weeks with, uh, uh, what was that, liver... It was like a, an organ yeah, that was something like call. that, yeah. Um, but I think uh, there's enough other stuff in the back line to look at. The, the, the top dogs in the back line this year are really impressive. Laird, Crisp, um, you know, even uh, oh yeah, Cal Mills. Sorry, is the other one. Um, I would say they're probably more the word priority if you were looking to complete that back line. Um, but at seven ten. You know, it's a bargain for fantasy. What's he at in Dream Team? Six sixty-seven. All right, maybe maybe I'm starting to shift towards priority at that price. Yeah, he's um, doing. He's pretty nice I, in Supercoach. He's four hundred and seventy-seven thousand, so he's cheaper than Daniel, uh, and he's around about eighty uh, k cheaper than a Tom Stewart. So so he's value based on that. Yeah. I, I don't think you can go wrong with it. It's all about expectation. Um, if you want to look at the fixture matchups, we want to talk about fixtures in just a second, a little bit more Port Adelaide this week, one of the harder teams to score against across the formats, no doubt Geelong. If you can get the footy off them, you can score. Okay. But getting the footy off them has proven to be a little bit difficult this year around 22 matchup against Richmond. I, I do like that matchup from, from a fantasy perspective. And then a final game of the year against Carlton. Well, well, it all depends what they're playing for. Now, I don't think in, from a finals perspective, when I'm not talking about that, but in terms of coaches keeping their jobs, players keeping 
um, AFL list spots. Um, th- they could be something on the line there from a Carlton perspective. So, uh, look, I, I don't think picking Whitfield's going to be a, a call that destroys your season one way or another. I, I don't see the 120 average from now to the end of the year. Um, I, mm. I think he, he's a sort of 95 to 110 over the next four weeks, which is still going to be very, very good. Um that that's not going to destroy your year either way or make your year. No, I agree. I think the interesting thing with Whitfield though is, you know, particularly if you're chasing overall in in a fan, in fantasy, for example, I reckon a lot of coaches who are chasing, you know, are right in it up to their necks would have traded him out when he missed last week with concussion. Um, and we've seen the amount of things that have come up. You know, um, you know, Dusty last week, you got Pendles this week, pretty common players. So I just think there's a, there's a chance there that not many of those top coaches have been able to get him back in yet. So if you can, that'd be the that'd be the upside to me. Not not necessarily seeing him, yeah, like you said, average 120 from here, but at that price and to be unique, to have Whitfield as a unique, um, yeah, it's a good, be a good position. And again, it all depends on what's your focus. Is it league or is it your rankings? If it's league-based, well, again, you probably don't know what others have in terms of trades left unless they've kind of revealed that left yet. Now it's going, okay, is Whitfield this point of difference that can separate me uh, in these leagues? And then it's looking, if, if you're going for contention of a top 10 finish, let's call it that, well, you're doing analysis on the top 50 to a top 100 of, of coaches' ranks and seeing who they have and what those separations are, both from popular players to take on and unique players to bring in. You know, a great friend of the podcast from um, the Keeper League podcast, Hef, has been doing it over the past couple of weeks where he's looking in AFL Fantasy's top 100 and helping coaches see who's unique and who's highly popular owned. Again, you go against a popular guy, it'll sink you. But you go on a unique guy and it mm-hmm. goes well for you, then away you go. An example of a unique guy, there were only 11 coaches in AFL Fantasy in the top 100 own Cam Guthrie. That's, that's a fantastic, unique position to have been in. However, just five coaches in the top 100 last week didn't own Tim Taranto. What a great way that that went for you, that a guy that didn't do well. So that's what you need is you want the popular guys that you're going against to go unders, the unique guys to go for you to come and, and balance that up. It, for those that care in that format, I think it's about 31 people pre-trades this week um, had, had owned Lockie Whitfield in the top 100. So he's he's not unique. He's one in three. And I, I expect that probably to get closer to about 50% um, by the end of the round. So he, he's not going to be on the unique side um, in that format of the game. A little bit different in the limited trade format. So that, that for me is always the focus is check those matchups if it's league dependent. And then if it's rankings, do some analysis on that top 100, top 50, see who you can take on and what you can get and who might get you there because Whitfield, he's not going to destroy you, but I don't think he's going to make it for you either. All right. Let, let's talk about fixtures before we look to wrap up this episode. And the reason I think it's important we talk about fixtures and sides and ladders positions is with these final four weeks of the year, you've kind of got teams in really three or four pretty clear positions You've got teams that are pushing for the top four to top eight. And, and, and so their ladder positioning matters. And, and so they're not in that luxurious position where they're kind of on cruise control 
Rather, they're fighting for either a home final, fighting for finals positioning or fighting for a second chance. You've then could probably argue into the back of that. Teams that are fighting to make finals that in one to two weeks time, you'll know whether or not the focus is 2021 or if it's 2022. We will know in a, in a week's time, are Richmond all in on 2021 still? Or are they just like, you know what? We can't get there. It's 2022. All it takes is an Essendon, a Fremantle and a St. Kilda win this week and a Richmond loss. And now you could maybe throw a Giants one in there to us, I suppose, um, albeit. Yeah. Um, and you say, well, the year's done for Richmond. Just using them as an example, not not trying to pick on Richmond for, for, for anything. They've been unbelievable the past couple of years. So you've got teams like that. that They've had a good run. They've, They've had a good okay. run. Um, but then you've got teams that in a week or two, their season's going to be defined. And then you've got those that it's all about the future. So North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Collingwood, Adelaide, Gold Coast. And, and I will include Carlton in that. I know mathematically they're a chance or only six points out of finals, but I just think there's so much variation that's outside of their control. I just can't see them making it. So so you've got this bottom six that focuses on 2022. It just has impacts for us from a fantasy footy perspective. Um, so, so what's your take on, on these teams? Are there teams that we should be concerned about with player changes, uh, structural moves, guys getting rested and iced out, kids getting opportunities? Who are the warning teams for us that maybe we shouldn't be looking to trade into? I don't think, um, I don't think you would not look to trade in purely based on this sort of stuff. This is sort of like when you're building building cases for and against players to split, you know, when you're splitting hairs. Um, because it's pretty unpredictable. You know, you've got um, sides down the bottom whose year might be over. So, you know, the natural assumption would be, okay, they might move players around, try some younger guys in different positions. Um, and then when we come to it, they don't. And it's just their usual structure. So, you know, don't don't jump too hard on, on this sort of thing, but certainly older players, um, players who have been clearly hampered. So, look, I'd use a Paddy Cripps as an example. I, I, I could not recommend anyone looking at him the way he's going, but let's say he was playing a bit better. You know, he's clearly got knocks here, here, all over the place. He's got a coach trying to possibly hold on to his job as well, so maybe not a great example. But a player like that, let's say a short... All right, here's one. Sean Darcy. Let's talk about him, right? If Frio lose this week and lose next week, you know, they might be done for the year. Sean Darcy has seemingly got injured in every game he's played and then scored a ton the next week. So he's, yeah. Imagine how well he'll he'll go next year if he's not injured. Um, so there was a lot of talk that, okay, they might put him away, get him nice and rested up for 2022 if they miss finals. That was a genuine concern, but um, I can't remember who it was, whether it was the coach Longmuir himself, but someone at Frio came out today and said, every game that guy plays makes him a better player. He's going to continue to play. So I guess look for as much info as you can. Um, keep your ear to the ground. and But, you know, at the same time, you can't believe it everything you read and see as well. They may say that and in two weeks say that we're putting them away. So this is why I say don't 
put all your eggs in these sort of scenarios, um, it's just a good way to help split. If you've got two players you like, one's an older guy, you're not sure if he's going to be moved around his role. You know, side bottom's another one. Before Pendlebury went down, yeah, he was playing forward. You know, how could you suggest picking him up at, you know, even as cheap as he is? Collingwood down the bottom, they've got an interim coach who's probably not even coaching for that gig. Um, and they've got a lot of kids. But then Pendlebury goes down. And if you listen to Robert Harvey's press conference after the game, he actually says, we put side bottom into the middle and he found his mojo again. So all of a sudden you go against the idea of not picking old guys from a bottom side because you've heard that info. Um, that was a pretty scrambled answer, but I think there's a couple of good points in there. You're getting to that point at the end of the fantasy footy season. Where uh, you've been you've been talking about players since December, so I, it kind of gets yeah. to that point. I understand. Look, for for me, yeah. um, the most important thing is the same way you do fixture analysis, you, you do that with league positioning analysis as well. Um, luck's always going to be an element to it, but you always want to have players on your team from premiums that are going to play these next four weeks for a variety of reasons, whether it be continuity, whether it be about fitness, whether it be about ladder and league positioning, all these things matter. Um, you, you, it is the most open finals race I've seen probably since 2016. Um, before that, it always looked like a Richmond was, was, was storming through. It always looked like a Geelong was going to storm through. It always looked like a Giants were storming or a Collingwood or an Adelaide. Like you had these teams that were juggernauts for the year that you went, yeah, I don't know if many people are going to, you know, there's one or two guys that can catch them and that's kind of it. Um, this year we've seen bottom ranked teams beat top of the table teams um, on multiple occurrences. And, and so the year feels open. Um, and, and so for me, I, I think AFL coaches are, are taking every opportunity that if they can hold a top four, they're not going to mess with it. If they can get a synergy and a chemistry of their best 22 available, they're going to absolutely push for it. It's why for me, Dunkley, I, I don't see Beveridge messing around with him because it's like, you know what, we've missed him for half the season. We've got Trelaw still to come back. Gosh, we've got to find some kind of chemistry with this unit before we hit finals. It's a different type of sport, but for those that follow the NBA, Brooklyn Nets were the team that everybody expected to win the East and not Milwaukee. Why? Because they've got three generational talents in Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. What, what was the issue? Was it because that squad liked talent? Of course it wasn't. <laughs> you got three phenomenal players. What was the issue? They couldn't keep all three on the court for the same time. And so when push came to shove, a team that's got synergy, chemistry, and availability was able to get them done, albeit a bit, little bit of luck and a foul line. Um, for those that are following along, for those that don't know or care for basketball, you've got no idea what I'm saying. The point being this, teams aren't going to muck around. Coaches aren't going to muck around. They, they want to give these best opportunities. So for me, I'd be hesitant to, to trade in a player that's in that bottom six. I'd be hesitant. And once their season is done, no matter their age, they're going to take care of them because they're focused to the year. Those that are in the risk of finals coming or going, I still wouldn't be super bullish on either. Because like I said, all it takes is a win or loss over the next fortnight and their season is done. 
I'd be certainly looking to these top grouped teams. And the good news is for the vast majority of our premiums, they're in these top 12 teams too. Um, and, and that's a really positive space. There are exceptions. There's the Halls, there's the Lairs, there's the Zeebles. But the vast majority of our premiums um, are, are kind of through there. So for me, it, it's important, but it's not so scary for me that it might be for others. All right, mate, I think we're just about done on this episode for us. Uh, appreciate your thoughts today on the podcast, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, look forward to uh, seeing what happens this weekend. It's, it's going to be an interesting week of footy round 20. No crowds in Victoria this week or next, but if you're in the other uh, states, there will be crowds through some of those, which is fantastic news for us. Look, good luck this week. Get adventurous. Uh, with some of your moves and hopefully they pay off for you from all of us here at the coaches panel we wish you luck and we can't wait to chat with you again next week